we have a guest speaker this morning. The first service was unbelievable. And I, I believe God's going to continue that same anointing here in the second service. Uh, it was about 10 years ago, I, we and Adam were talking before, can't believe it's been 10 years, uh, that my father had the opportunity to interview uh, Pastor Adam on TBN. And at this time, uh, Pastor Adam was overseeing and he founded one of the largest youth outreaches in all of America. Uh, it was called Youth Explosion. And this was an incredible revival that was taking place uh, in the five boroughs in New York City, where, where gang members were literally coming to the altar, laying down their, the, the guns and drugs and, and everything on the altar. The, 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 the police were, were realizing that there was this line forming on Friday nights, and they didn't know where it came from. They thought everyone was trying to get into a club, but they were actually getting into youth group. It, it, was, an, uh, it was literally a youth explosion. And uh, God has used Pastor Adam uh, from that moment to minister the gospel across the entire world. Uh, he is an incredible man of God. Uh, he founded an organization as part of an organization called Lead New York, where he empowers and, and helps minister to a lot of lead pastors, myself included. Uh, I was so grateful about, I think, four or five months ago, he had an event uh, in Long Island. And I had an opportunity to go there and be a part with um, Pastor A.R. Bernard, uh, Pastor David Ireland from Christ Church, and some incredible men of God that I did not belong there. I, I did not deserve to be there, but because of, of Adam's generosity, he allowed me to be a part of that event, and it really impacted my life in such a powerful way. Uh, to be able to sit under some teaching from Pastor A.R. Bernard uh, just changed my life forever. And I'm so thankful for this man of God. Uh, I'm so thankful that he's coming down all the way uh, to Asbury Park to preach this morning. So if you will stand up and put your hands together and give a big short Christian church welcome to my friend, Pastor Adam Durso. Come on, while you're standing, would you give your Savior, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the loudest possible standing ovation. Come on, you can do better than that, Jersey. Bow your heads with me and remain standing. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that as we are in this place and the tangible sense of your glory and your presence is here. Though the heavens cannot contain your glory and no human edifice could ever contain your presence, you choose to abide in the midst of of the praises of your people. You are here. And because you are here, anything can happen. Move by your Holy Spirit. Hide your servant behind the cross, but speak to us so clearly, we pray. In Jesus' name, can you shout amen? amen. Come on, shout amen right there. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can open up with me to 2 Kings, the 13th chapter. I think it is awesome that this church gives away Starbucks gift cards. Um, I just want to say I, I get to travel and preach at a lot of churches all over the globe. They usually give out their CDs. Um, I've seen churches give out um, uh, sermons. Um, I've never been tempted to go to the back personally and be like, I want my $5 Starbucks gift card until today. I sent my 13-year-old back there twice this morning because confession is good for the soul. I was in both services. I figured I would just confess that to you, Pastor Isaac. That is awesome. 
had to come all the way down to the Jersey Shore to get a $5 gift card to come to church. First time, baby. Yeah. Somebody praise Jesus for their Woo! caramel macchiato. I was in a, I was in a, I was in a minister. This has nothing to do with the message. I'm so sorry, but I was in a minister's training this week, and they had all these cards on the center of the table, and they said, "Pick one out that represents most how you feel." And so they were like sunsets. They were like birds. I don't know why people want to be a bird, but there are birds. There was one that had a cappuccino with a foam smile face. And I was like, that's me. Because I am caffeinated and I am happy. Yes. I don't know about you, but Jesus doesn't speak until I have some coffee. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to 2 Kings chapter 13. Uh, so excited to be here with you. I, am, uh, I, I, love, I love the look, the feel. Uh, and I just got to tell you, I mean, um, I don't know that I've ever walked through an entrance that felt more like Goodfellas. Um, that was awesome. I thought they were going to bring me through the kitchen. And like, you know, I, I, was, I was trying to make sure I had enough cash to tip everybody on the back way in. I thought that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I got to tell you, I, I, I love how alive this place is. Yeah. Yes. And, and what God's going to do through you, I just want you to know that the best is yet to come. Yes. Y'all have no idea that you are but tipping the iceberg of what God wants to do through Shore yes. Church down here in the Jersey Shore. And so I'm excited for you. I can't wait to celebrate with you and root you on and show up whenever pastor wants me to show up. But uh, I, I just, I love Absolutely love being with all of you. And so uh, I did not get to the third point of my message uh, in the first service. I'm really hoping that we'll get to the third point this service, but we'll see how it goes. Second Kings chapter 13 and beginning with verse 14. Now Elisha was suffering from the illness from which he died. And Joahash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariot and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands. And he said to the king of Israel, when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said. And he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said. And he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the army of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Armenians at Aphek. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha said to him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Don't you notice it's interesting? Only prophets are allowed to get angry in the Bible. Like pastors aren't allowed to be angry. I think that's because we have to show up next yeah. week. Yeah, we but like back. prophets, like they, they come, they go. They're allowed to be angry. I mean, John the Baptist's opening remarks are, You brutal vipers. Yeah. I mean, imagine I had opened with that this morning and been like, hey, you snakes from the Jersey Shore. Oh, my goodness. Never get invited back. John the Baptist doesn't. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Verse 20. Elisha died and was buried, which always makes me think, how angry was he? Like he was angry and frustrated, and then literally the next verses, and he died. I mean, I don't know how many kids you got. I don't know how your church is. But I'm, you have to be really angry to be like he was angry. Yeah. 
and that he died. <laughs> he died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. And whilst was some, once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. And so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. And when the body touched Elisha's dead bones, the man came to life and jumped up on his feet. So there are two Elishas in the Bible. There's Elijah with a J and Elisha with an SH. Elijah with a J is the older prophet. He's the Bible tells us the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. He declares there'll be no rain and there's no rain on the land. Then he calls down fire from heaven and prays that a cloud as small as a man's hand would rise from the sea. And then tucking in his cloak outruns a chariot. This man is a man that the Bible says in the book of James is like us. He has like passions like us. He is similar to us. And I happen to like Elijah a lot because he's the kind of guy that lives on real high highs and feels some low lows. He, he, he one moment calls down fire from heaven, wipes out 850 false prophets, and then the next moment he's running from a woman named Jezebel and says, God, I think you should just kill me now. I'm really thankful, I said this in the first service, God, that God does not answer every prayer. Amen. Amen. You should be thankful. Some of y'all would have less kids. <laughs> but when, 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 when Elijah gets to the end of his rope, he says, God, I'm done. God says, no, 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 you're not done. I've got a whole group of people that have not bowed their knees to the gods of this world. You're going to go back and you're going to anoint a younger prophet. And his name is going to be Elisha. And you're, you're going to walk along together. And we get to this point in Elisha's life. And Elisha's now had a 60-year-long ministry. He has done twice as many recorded miracles as Elijah. He's, he's, he's seen God show up and do some amazing things. And now at the end of his life, he's old and feeble. And the people of God are at a very difficult point. They seem to be constantly weighing back and forth, double-minded. They, they, one moment they're serving God, the next moment they're backsliding. And God allows trouble to hit to get their attention. Because the truth of the matter is, your trouble will either cause you to run to God or from God. Yes, yes. It's in the times of trouble that God gets our attention. It's in the times of trouble where we run to God and say, God, you've got to show up and help me. And the, 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 the king knows where to run. He runs to the prophet, runs to the house. I'm so thankful for a God that when we run to the house of God, and even when we haven't been faithful, he remains faithful. Yes, yes. We say, God, I'm... I'm in trouble. My back is against the wall. You know, oftentimes in my own mind, I can rationalize when trouble hits and I didn't cause it. I'm thankful for a God that delivers even when I cause the trouble I'm in. Yes, yes. David said, when I ascend to the heights, you're there. And when I make my bed in hell, yet you're there, God. Amen. Serve an amazing God who would make his bed in hell with us. Yes. A God who just hears our prayers, inclines his ear to the cry of his people, and the king finds Elisha, and Elisha says, here's what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to take out a bow and an arrow. Where's my friend from Brooklyn? Okay, come on. You were already waiting there. That's awesome. You're like a pro because you did this the first service. I think it's awesome that the only guy in the room from Brooklyn this morning is the guy I picked out. Because it's spirit to spirit, brother. I felt it. felt it. I feel a lot. I do. 
Now, this is going to go a lot better than it did the first service. Because the first service, when I asked him to make a bow and arrow, he started shooting at me. And I was like, stop. It's not cool to be shooting imaginary arrows at the preacher while he's preaching. Wait till the parking lot. No, I'm just kidding. Tells the king, king, you're going to take out a bow, and you're going to take out an arrow, and you're going to position yourself ready. Would you please take up your position? Now, we, wow, wait, 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 just stop, stop a second. Because this morning you were really good. But now you added the, like, taking out the bow effect? That is awesome. Wow. Can, come on. Come on. Oh, y'all can do better than that. Come on. I mean, I mean, you had, you had the, the bow with the arrow and the tautness and the whole thing this way. But now you added the taking out of the arrow. I need an arrow. You need an arrow. Please. Do it. Continue. Okay. I don't want to interrupt you ever again. I apologize. <laughs> Tells the king, you're going to get ready. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna take up your position. You see, the king grew up. In the king's palace, he would have understood weaponry. He understood how to use a bow and an arrow. He understood the art of war. He understood how to use a sword and a spear. He took all of his intellect and all of his training, all of the things that he learned, his experience, and he says, you're going to line up with all that, but don't shoot. Don't shoot. The Bible says clearly, take up your position. Get ready. And then Elisha takes his hands and he puts it on the hands of the king. It's symbolic to remind the king, king, you can have all of the expertise and all of the intellect and all of the weaponry and all of the talent. You could have everything put together, but victory only comes when God puts his hands on your hands. Yeah. Victory only comes, increase only comes, success only comes, breakthrough only comes when God places his hands yeah. on your hands. For every business owner that's in the room, every entrepreneur, everyone that's been waiting for that next level in your job and you have been stifled and waiting to get there. Today is the day where you open up your palms to God and say, God, I invite you. Place your hands on my hands. Place your hands on my job. I place your hands on my mind, on my eyes. Give me what I do not have in and of my own strength. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. was a reminder that King... You've got everything you need in the natural. We're to study to show ourselves approved. We're to be diligent in our study. But there's a place of favor and victory that you cannot earn, that you cannot garner, that you cannot gain in and of yourself. It only comes when I place my hands on your hands. There have been moments in my life that I've watched and seen God open up doors that there's no reason I should have been in the room. I didn't have the, in, I didn't have the educational background. I, I didn't have the gifting. I, I didn't measure up. I was younger than everybody else in the room. And all of a sudden, God would open up a door. And you know what I love? I love when everybody else in the room can't figure it out either. Because they're like, why is he here? When I was asked to sit on Mayor de Blasio's clergy advisory council, I was the only non-senior pastor, non-senior rabbi, non-senior imam, non-senior anything. And I was the youngest guy in the room. And then all of a sudden the mayor said, can you please, Adam, can you come and sit right up here? Didn't deserve to be in the room. 
didn't deserve to be sitting in that room with people who were far more educated, had doctorate degrees and all types of things from their background. And yet God will do what you cannot do when you invite his hands to be on your hands. You say, God, at the end of the day, my increase and my strength and my everything that I have, all that I need, the victory that I need, it's not found in my strength. It's found when you place your hands on my hands. And then he shoots this arrow out the window toward where the enemy camp is. And he begins to think to himself, what good could this possibly do? All I've done at best is alert the enemy that we know they're coming. How could this possibly give victory? One arrow against an entire army? And then the prophet goes on and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out a bunch of arrows, and then I want you to take the arrows and strike the ground. What, what's that going to do for me? I, I don't understand. Maybe at this point the, 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 the king begins to wonder. Maybe the old prophet has lost his marbles. Maybe the old prophet has gone senile. Maybe the old prophet has been alone a little too long. Maybe he's, he, he's just lost it. He, he may, may, maybe, may, maybe, maybe the entourage that he's got with him, maybe all the people that came along with the king that are part of the entourage, that may, maybe they started snickering. Seems foolish. Makes no rational sense. Why would you ask me to strike the ground? That can do nothing for my victory. Why would I shoot an arrow out a window? This can do nothing for my victory. Sometimes we're asked to do stuff in church that seemingly makes no rational sense. But that does not mean it's not God. Amen. There are times you're in a service and the worshipers say, lift up your hands. God's going to give you victory or God's going to break a chain or you're going to believe God. How's that going to, how's that going to help me? Times we're in service and we're encouraged to give, like we're being encouraged to give for this, for, for this vision offering. And, and, and we say, how's that going to help my finances? How, how's tithing and, and giving and offering going to help my finances? It would always seem to make me, make, me, make me think, Pastor Adam, that I'd have less money to pay my bills. And yet I've learned after 23 years of serving God that I'd much rather have 90% in God as my partner than 100% and be on my own. Let me tell you, just because it doesn't make sense in the natural does not mean it's not God. Matter of fact, what I've learned is the longer you're in church, the easier it is to rationalize unbelief. We start to figure it out. We start to think, no, 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 no. This is how God works. As if we can somehow predict how God works. Be Be very careful when you've been in church so long that the unfamiliarity of the miraculous working nature of God becomes familiar to you. Where all of a sudden we can just predict it and say, oh, no, 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 no. this is the part of the service where he does this, and this is the part of the service where he does that, and this this is how God intervenes in my life. No, 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 no. His ways are beyond our ways. They're past finding out. So at the end of the day, God, even if it doesn't make sense, if you tell me to do it, I'll honor you. But the king, he's, he, he's, whatever his thought process is in the, in, in the deal, he basically says at this point, you know what, I'm going to do what honors him, but my heart's not in it. We serve a God who told Samuel, man judges the outward, but God looks at the heart. In other words, why you lift your hands is more concerning to God than if you lift your hands. Yes. 
In Revelation, the Bible says, his eyes, they blaze like fire. I mean, in one moment, God, thank you that you see my heart. In another moment, God, I'm, I'm fearful that you see my heart. Because the king, he does exactly what the prophet says. And he strikes the ground three times. And it has nothing to do with the amount of times he strikes the ground. But in that moment, the prophet gets angry at him. How dare you? If you would have struck the ground with passion, but because you're so lackluster in your behavior, because you think by simply doing the bare minimum, you could somehow figure me out, and the prophet gets angry with them. And I've told the Lord, God, a lack of passion will never define me. Whenever I stand on the precipice to a breakthrough, it will not be because I lack passion. It will not be because I simply go through the motions. I will honor you. You are the living God. And if I have to strike the ground, I will strike the ground again and again. I will pray again and again. I will praise again and again and again until my knuckles are bloody or until you snatch the breath from my lungs. Because I believe every morning that I wake up that he is still able to do the miraculous. What Pastor Isaac was telling you was true. When I was in my teens and my, my early 20s, God had showed up and he allowed me to start a youth group with 18 kids that became the largest youth ministry in New York City. And there was a line around the block to get in and it did look like a club. And people wanted to know what was going on. Why would these young people wait online for an hour to get into church on a Friday night? The New York Times was so intrigued by it. They did a story and when they found out behind it, they found out that the New York police department, the NYPD, could track crime rate dropping in direct proportion to the amount of young people that came in the building on a Friday night in the 83rd and 104 precinct. Kids were coming in and they were handing in their gang colors and they were handing in their their box cutters and their knives and altar calls. Kids were handing in letters to unsaved girlfriends and boyfriends and handing in records and DJs were taking off jackets and and handing them in. One kid handed in a a laptop because he was struggling with internet pornography. Another another kid took off his shoes at the end of the service and when I went over to find out why he was still barefoot, why he hadn't put his shoes back on, he said, Pastor Adam, I bought those shoes today with counterfeit money and I'd rather go home barefoot than go home in those sneakers. Didn't have to preach about it. No, 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 no. When the Holy Spirit's moving, he can do far better than any preacher. God was opening up tremendous doors, and I had the opportunity to encourage moms and dads and youth pastors and pastors to believe God for the next generation. And in that time, I got married, and I got married young into a beautiful Puerto Rican wife. We celebrated 19 years this past Tuesday. And uh, I, 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 yeah, you can put your hands together. Um, 19 years, one wife consecutively for the whole time. Okay, we're good. So I make sure we're good. And then we had three kids under three. I firmly believe, as I told Pastor Isaac this morning, that Pampers and Formula are like the Red Sea. Once you cross over, it closes. You'd never go back to Egypt. And so we had, we're going to pray for you though. Um, 
Um, so, I mean, literally, like, I mean, my, my wife had our, 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 our beautiful daughter, Nicolette, who uh, was with me in the first service and somehow has now deserted me. Um, that's okay. Um, <laughs> the, she was like, um, uh, the doctor was like, excuse me, Miss Durso, um, is there anything I could do for you? Are you okay? She just looked up at the doctor and said, yes, please make sure he never does this to me again. Done. My, 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 my oldest boy, Justin, so I've got two boys and a baby girl, Justin, Daniel, and my baby girl, Nicolette, and they're uh, 16, 14, and 13 now, and uh, my, my, my oldest boy, when he was three years old, this is 13 years ago, he was three years old, he wasn't speaking. My, my wife can still tell you the story about when she took him for his vaccinations and brought him home from the doctor and that, that, that beautiful baby boy with light blue eyes that would follow you all around the room and seem so alive. Now all of a sudden seemed like he had a glazed over look and wouldn't follow you around the room and seemed like something had changed, something had happened in his, in his, in his personality and his, in, in his, it just something, something clicked, something changed and, 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 and we took him to the doctor and we didn't understand what was going on. It said, doctor, you've got you've to tell us what's going on with our son. He's not talking. It seems like there's a problem, and he walked in that office, and I'll never forget. He said, your son is on the autistic spectrum. It was like he had announced a death sentence over my home. We got punched in the gut. The wind got knocked out. And then he went on to say, your son will never be in a regular classroom. Your son will never play on a regular sports team. Your son will never travel more than a couple of miles away from the house. And in that moment, I felt so defeated. I remember going home and saying, God, how could you allow this to happen? You're moving. Young people are coming. You're preaching and sharing. And now, God, my oldest boy, my wife was devastated. It impacted every aspect of our home. And we began to weep. The Bible talks about in 1 Samuel 30 that when David and his men came back to Ziklag and they saw the, 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 they saw the, the town, everything had been lit on fire and their wives and children had been taken. They wept till there were no more tears to weep. It's not the kind of weeping that comes from up here. It's a kind of weeping that comes from in here. It comes from your belly. It's a heaving. It's a place where you just cry aloud. And yet every time I could not articulate my prayers, I'm thankful for a God who reads tears. Amen. Amen. The Bible says every tear, he bottled them up, and he knew what every tear was supposed to say, even though I couldn't say it. Wow. And after weeks of weeping and crying and calling upon the Lord, all of a sudden, I found a new place. It wasn't a place of weeping. Now it was a place of resolve. It was, God, I heard what that doctor said. But you are the living God. And you are still able to do the miraculous. And I'm willing to believe you. And if I've got to strike the ground every morning and every noon and every night until my knuckles are bloody or until you take the breath out of my lungs, I will believe you that everything he declared over my son will be turned around and you will receive glory and honor from it. Yeah, you can put your hands together and bless your God right there. It was a moment, it was a change, it was a paradigm shift. It was in that moment, God, I will believe you again. It's too soon to quit. I'm thankful 
wasn't, it wasn't a one-time moment. It wasn't one day. It wasn't one altar call. It wasn't one prayer. It was a journey. It was a process. And all of a sudden, we began to see God do things that only God can do. I told the church this morning, my oldest boy, Justin, when they diagnosed and said all those things about, he's 16 now. 13 years later, he's not only in a regular classroom, he's a National Honor Society member and the top math student in his entire grade. They say never play in a regular sports team. He's played varsity tennis three years in a row. Let me tell you, my son, who they declared would never travel more than a couple of miles away from the house because his right brain couldn't speak to his left brain and he'd have a mental breakdown. That son has traveled the globe with me and he's been to Africa three times and he's been to Tokyo and Thailand and across the globe. He's the best armor bearer anywhere in the entire world. And every single time I think about it, I remember I will strike the ground again and again and again because whatever you came to, to church with it's too soon to stop believing God come on put your hands together and bless your God in fact if you're believing God for a miracle lift up both your hands right where you're seated and open up your mouth and praise your God announce praises don't ask him God I praise you as my healer God I praise you as my deliverer God I praise you as alpha and omega beginning and the end you are the living God King, King was lackluster in his response. His lack of passion defined him. The prophet says, you would have had complete and total victory, but now you're only going to get partial victory. You're only going to get a portion of what I had for you. How many Christians are walking around with only a piece of what God has for them? How many Christians get a partial, temporary reprieve, but not ultimate victory? When he declared it was finished on the cross, he said, I could have everything, all that I need. And that I wouldn't have to only settle for partial victory. I could have what he promised me. Today, your marriage, your home, for your business, on your job, your children, your finances, some sickness in your body, some anxiety or depression. Whatever you walked in here with, you don't have to leave the same way you got here. And if you stop believing God, today's the reminder to pick up some arrows. And start striking the ground again. I'm going to go a step further in this service. And I didn't say this in the first one. You're sitting here. And you stop believing God. Because the enemy convinced you. You forfeited that dream. The enemy that. Sends fiery dart after fiery dart. Accuser of the brethren. Told you. That you forfeited what God had promised you. What God had spoken to you. In some quiet moment. 
or in a dream. And he's convinced you that somehow you've now given that up. My brother, my sister, God gave me this word this afternoon for you so that you'll pick up those arrows again and strike the ground one more time. And then when you're done striking the ground, strike it again. And then when you're done striking it some more, strike it some more. It's interesting. Prophet gets angry. And then he dies. We joked around a moment ago about that. And they bury him in a tomb. The tomb is so ghetto <laughs> that they already know that robbers are going to come into this graveyard and dig up the bodies of the dead. Because at this day and age, people are buried with wealth for the afterlife. And because they're buried with wealth for the afterlife, the robbers knew what the people that buried them didn't. You can't take it with you. And so they would dig up the bodies. Heathen raiders, criminals, robbers. They would come into this area, dig up the bodies, and steal the wealth that was buried with the dead people. They bury Elisha not in the places of honor, but they bury Elisha in the place of disdain. Many commentators believe that at the end of Elisha's life, this is indicative of how backslidden the people of God are, how they treat their prophet. Well, one day, a group going to bury a different man go into the ghetto cemetery and while they're in there, they see in a distance the robbers coming their way. And they decide to throw the body lest they get robbed too. And they throw the body on the shallow grave of Elisha where time has passed, his bones now because of decay are revealed, and the dead body touches the bones of Elisha and the guy jumps up talk about awkward <laughs> like imagine you were the person burying that guy and then you see some criminals coming so you decide to throw his body and then dude gets up hey hello why did y'all leave me here then he realizes where he is he's in the ghetto cemetery he's thinking to himself what did I ever do to you I couldn't figure out God your word says that everything is for our edification our instruction our teaching what could you possibly be saying to me and then I felt the Holy Spirit say, Adam, don't go to the grave with life left in your bones. If you've got a business, start it. If you've got a book, write it. 
If you got a sermon, preach it. If you got a song, sing it. If there's a degree to get, go get it. Why? Because there are too many people that go to the grave with so much more inside of them because fear robbed them. What would you choose to do if you genuinely believed if God be for me, no one and nothing can stand against me? It's amazing. I had the privilege now of talking to some tremendous men and women of God. And every time I've heard a story about how God showed up, moved in finances, opened up a door for a book, opened up a door for television, opened up a door for a new building. Nobody says, oh yeah, I just had figured it out. It was part of our five-point plan. And you know what it usually comes down to? Fear wanted to rob me. But then I remembered, if God be for me. Amen. And so I stepped out and believed Him. And what I didn't expect actually happened. God showed up in power and might. For the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the horror to find one whose heart is fully given over to Him. Why? So that He might show Himself strong and powerful on behalf of that one. I don't claim to know everything. I simply say, God, if you're still looking, then find me. But whatever you do, don't go to your grave with life left in your bones. If it's in you, whatever God put inside of you, deliver it to the earth. Declare it to the earth. Start it, seed it, do it in the earth. Don't go to the grave with life left in your bones. Would you bow your heads and stand on your feet with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You know why there's room for more? Because God has assembled short church to be where you are so you can be some quaint, quiet little church. No, God's called you to be a city of refuge, a city set on a hill that cannot be covered. A place where people can run to and find salvation and mercy and grace. A place that will impact the community. A place that will have a line wrapped around the building to get in because the miracle working power of the living God is in that place. My brother, my sister, don't go to the grave thinking you can take it with you. Whatever God has given you in the earth, deliver it. Say, God, every book, write it. Every song, sing it. Every sermon, preach it. Every business, start it. Every degree, get it. Whatever it is God's called you to do, every seed, sow it. 
You choose whether or not what's in your hand is either your seed or your harvest. If you hold on to it, it becomes your harvest. If you sow it, it is your seed. For everything God has called you to do, don't go to the grave with life left in your bones. And don't let a lack of passion define you. You came in this building. You might have stopped striking the ground. I believe there's somebody here. You stopped striking the ground. You stopped believing God. You gave up on that dream. God wanted to remind you that his gift and his call, the dreams he gave you, they're without revoke. He doesn't take them back. And it's not based on your performance. It's not based on how good you've been, how faithful you've been. He wanted to remind you today that that dream, that's the enemy telling you that you forfeited it, not me. Today's the day where you reclaim it where you believe Him again and where you declare, God, I stop striking the ground, but I will strike the ground again. I will pray again. I will praise again. I will stand up and lift up my hands again. Because if you've given me breath in my lungs, then it's too soon to quit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Pastor Adam, what you were talking about, that's me. I gave up on that dream. I thought I had forfeited it. And I'm reminded today to believe him again. If that's you, lift up your right hand right now. Go. Go. Matter of fact, don't just lift up your right hand. Lift up both your hands to your God. I didn't say this in the last service. I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's right here and now. And even while you're standing there, the enemy himself, the accuser of the brethren is saying, he's not talking to you. And yet the voice of the Lord is declaring to you as we lift up the shield of faith to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. My dreams and my gift and my call, I do not take them back. Every head bowed, every eye closed and every hand Lifted high to their God. Father, in this moment, we believe you again. We strike the ground in prayer again. We strike the ground in praise again. The same enemy that just told us to be silent and be quiet. Today, we lift up our voice again and declare your praises. That you who called us, you who gave us that dream, you who gave us that promise, you are able to accomplish it. You are able to complete it. Today we stand, and even when we have not been faithful, you are the God who remains faithful. Your name is faithful and true. So with our hands lifted, we open up our mouth. And we offer a praise to you, a love song from our own heart and an overflow of our own lips today. We offer up the fruit of our lips, a praise to our God. And so where you're standing, open up your mouth and begin to praise your God out loud. Amen. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready for more. Father, we thank you so much for this word this morning, Lord God. Pray, Father, that it is going to go deep into our souls, Lord God. That through blood, sweat, and tears, you never gave up on us. That the seed is still in our souls. 
the seed is still in our barn. And God, I, I pray there's, I believe, five people that this week you gave up on something. That this week you made up your mind that this is not working and you threw it to the side this week. And God loves you so much that he sent this prophet to Shore Christian Church to speak this word to you to strike again. Strike again. There is more life left inside of you. Don't go to the grave with that dream still in you. Don't live with regret about what could be any longer. If God spoke it, go out and do it. I love what one pastor said. Nobody's no can compete with God's yes. If God said yes, then yes it is. Strike the ground again and again it is going to manifest it will happen and the fact that it has taken this long is just increasing the power of the testimony that God is going to bring forth in your life sometimes time produces a greater harvest in your life so don't be ungrateful because it's taking so much time be thankful because it's just producing a greater harvest for your future if that's for you I want you to put your hands together and thank God that the harvest is coming it's taking some time but something is growing inside of my soul now in about five minutes we're going to dismiss and you're going to go out there you're going to go in your car you're going to you know I don't know maybe you rode your bike to church or or you're going to go out to eat you're going to go back to your house you're going to go back wherever and chances are nothing on the outside is going to change but you need to speak the word that something has changed within me. Something has come alive within me. Do not let the worries of this world, the worries of Monday, snatch this word that God has placed inside of you. Because the devil is a liar. He is a thief. And he wants to come against you to try and doubt everything that God has spoken through this man of God in your life today. Don't let it. Hold on to it. Cherish it. Protect it. And then come back next week because God's got a great word for you next Sunday as well. Bring some people with you. People need hope out there. And God is the only one that could give us real hope. Um, all right. If I could just have our, our ushers come forward. We're going to have uh, some ushers in the front and in the back if, if you want to uh, uh, give your, your offering, sow your seed this morning. Uh, if you need prayer for, for anything in your, in your body, in your life, we have our, our elders to my left. If you want to receive communion, we have it to my right. Um, and, and after uh, we, we say this last prayer, you guys are dismissed. But you are going home with something special. Let's just give a round of applause for the man of God coming all the way from Brooklyn to, to bring this word to us. We are so blessed in this church to get to hear from incredible men of God like Pastor Adam. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you that you are faithful. You, we thank you that you are a strong tower and the righteous run to you and we are safe. We are safe in your presence, Lord. You are our rock, you are our refuge. And God, I pray right now for, for Adam and, and for his family this Christmas, Lord God. I pray, Father, that that he will know just what a blessing he is. 
what a treasure he is in the kingdom of God. I pray, Father, that you will bless his going in and his going out, Lord God. That everything in his life that he touches will prosper, Father God. Bless his children, Lord God. We thank you that the best is still yet to come for his kids. That that is a, what a testimony. But there's more where that came from. That, that there are so many greater days for Justin ahead, Lord God. That he is going to move mountains, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you will bless his ministry, Lord God. That you will grow his, his sphere of influence, Father. And I pray, God, that he will be compelled to come back and preach at Shore Christian Church again because today was awesome. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. I hope that sermon really blessed and encouraged you. And if it did and you want to support our ministry so we can help these sermons get out to more people, please go to the giving link in the description button below this video and give financially. Also, if you want to hear more of these sermons, please subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get instant updates when we upload new sermons and testimonies. God bless.